Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are back yet again with another song. Today we are tackling a cover, a Queen cover, Stone Cold Crazy. If you're new to the show, it is myself and a guest from around the world discussing a song by the mighty Metallica. And we're almost at the end. I mean, we're on the S's now. So uh, if you know your alphabet, you know that Z isn't far in sight. In fact, there is no Metallica song beginning with Z at the moment anyway. We will end with You Really Got Me, another cover in about three or four months or so if you want to come on the show we've pretty much got all the song slots covered but if you want to discuss a top five or a concert or anything like that metallicapod.gmail.com if you just want to get in touch with me as well that's a great way to do it twitter is there also do a lot of updates on the show i ask for your feedback on the songs we do that at the end of every episode there's little mini 240 character reviews Patreon is there if you enjoy Alpha Metallica, if you think it's a value somewhat and you want to give something back, you can donate there and in return you get access to an RSS feed where basically I put all the episodes on there first. So at the time I was recording this, I think the next three Alpha Metallicas are on there. Also my Deep Purple Pod discussion which is probably out at the moment as well. So there's always an abundance of extra content on there, get a bit of bang for your buck. Um, if you want to help as well but you don't want to donate, totally appreciate that. iTunes, please leave us a review on iTunes, five stars if possible but honesty is also welcome what else do we have spotify we're on all the other platforms stitcher etc the youtube channel sometimes gets uploaded i don't really update that anymore aside from my so what file series where i'm going through metallica's very own magazine so what but uh yeah that's all the usual stuff out the way today i'm joined by someone from cardiff borsch how's it going sir uh, very good, man. How are you? Yeah, good. Really well, really well. And from what I gather, you know, you started 13, 14, kind of typical stuff, and you got a ripped CD copy of Master of Puppets with some, like, actual, like, personalised artwork, right? Well, well, kind of, yeah. So a friend of mine got me into Metallica God, when I was, yeah, about 13, 14. He started off, it was it was Ride the Lightning, I think, that was the first mm-hmm. one that he kind of um, that let me borrow. And it was for Hoon the Boltos that kind of, like, really, like, um, oh, yeah. got me into it. And I've never bought Master of Puppets. I've still got the Rip CD. Is his thing is Brother made it incredible album. I'd still rather have that Rip CD than than the original. To be honest with you, it still sounds. I don't know how it sounds that good, but right. it been whatever. But yeah, since then I've just been yeah very into them. And you know, going on from there, then so so that let's, so that would have been what about two thousand what three four yeah, at that time. Right. Yeah, I'm a little bit older than you, I think. Yeah. So from what I've heard on the podcast, so it was around 2000. And yeah, actually no, about 2001. Yeah, I got into around around time I started getting into metal. You know, the whole new metal thing, and uh-huh. you start off listening to Papa Roach. Oh and yeah, then you start listening to this, and you go down a bit of a wormhole, and then yeah, you just start actually listening to something that's a little bit more, you know, traditional. Look, look, Last Resort is still a tune. I don't care what I think anyone it's says. Incredible. I think it's a modern classic, mate. I yeah. think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I remember. As a kid, we had, um, I mean, you all know them. Maybe our overseas listeners won't. Those Now now CDs. So yeah, like, yeah. Like now that's what I call music. So for people who aren't aware, they're kind of these compilations of the big songs of the day. And back in the day, in the early 2000s, music was way more diverse. So I think we had the CD when I was like, you know, a young boy around that era. And it had like all your Britney Spears and whatever. But it also had some 41 and Papa Roach. And I remember us listening to it in the car and my dad was like vibing out to it. He was like, who is this? I was like it's Papa Roach like you know last resort it transcends ages it did it did it was a ma- I think generally like the early 2000s were a really really good time for they like were. especially like rock music uh-huh. and 
there's a lot of stuff that was coming out even like in the uk when you go like you know like 2002 2003 with some of the bands like you know 100 reasons and yeah then funeral for a friend and all that i don't know it's died down a little bit now or maybe i'm just too old i don't know but like it is yeah it was a good time it's nice to like think back to it to be fair and all those bands you know you can say, oh, yeah, you know, you make new metal was awful. I don't think it was. I no. think a lot of the stuff was really, really good and really different. So, yeah. you know, I think it's important to embrace it. I totally agree. And I don't know if there is one out there. I always ask people to do this sort of thing. A new metal podcast. I would really appreciate that. Just going through those sort be, of records. Yeah. It would be incredible. Genuinely. I think there's a lot of people that hold up. You know, I think it's only last, in the last couple of years people have started to come out and say, actually, yeah, I really did enjoy, did enjoy metal, uh, new metal, uh, you know. I don't think anyone was straight into Sabbath or Metallica or, you know, anyone like that from the off, were they? So it's always an entry point. And, you know, as I mentioned a few times on the show before, I'm a giant fan of Sopranos. I continually have it on in the background. And AJ, Tony's son, is a giant new metal fan. And he's always wearing new metal T-shirts. He's always got new metal. Like he goes to see Mudvayne in season five and he has like a Coal Chamber shirt on and a Limp Biscuit poster. And yeah, it I was d- like the archetypal kind of new he metal. Was, he was. He was. Yeah. Definitive new metal kind of visage there. And um, say Anger, you in the GCSEs, right? It was around that time. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I still, I still, it's really, really, it's a bit sad. I, 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 re- I still remember hearing uh, St. Anger off a mate's kind of um, earphone like a few days before mm-hmm. my maths exam. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking this doesn't sound like Metallica, but in, I hold my hands up and say I'm a St. Anger fan. I think it's a great oh, yeah. album. I genuinely think for what it is and for what it did around that time, you know, and every band could do the same thing over and over and over again. That was really different. Yeah, really. I've, I've defended her hill, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the t- I wouldn't quite be out the time I was recording this. It's coming out on Thursday. But uh, our Say Anger episode, where we actually tackled the song, which is the longest Al Patalaga episode yet. I mean, you know, everyone knows who listens to the show. But I am a giant apologist for the album. And I do really dig the album. And maybe it's because the album is a little new metally, And I've always got, you know, a little yeah. play in the chamber of my heart for new metal. But, um... Let's get to today's song then. Obviously, it's by Queen, a band that Metallica worship, and you know, a band that they you know, showed that worship, showed that adoration by covering. What about yourself and Queen? Are you, are you a fan of the band? I mean, obviously, everyone's a fan of Queen, but you know, how do you sit with them? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think everyone's a fan of Queen. I think if you like if you like music, you're a fan of Queen, okay. to be honest. But I like them, but I'm not the biggest fan. Like, I, I've, I've got, you know, I think the way you can, like, discern if you're a fan of something is how many, like, individual albums or sure. you've got or how many, like, songs, you know, off the top of your head. I'm very much a kind of, like, you know, you know, the classic ones, the greatest hits stuff. I only ever, I think I've only ever had, like, one Queen album. I think I was, like, Night of the Opera was the only one I went out specifically to buy, buy alone, classic. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Which, yeah, it's definitely a classic. And, you know, I kind of, like... Some stuff I think is incredible, some stuff not so much, but I, yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with them to be fair. No, no, definitely not. And that's why it was so surprising to me that my dad was so into Last Resort, because he's kind of the, you know, he's the archetypal Queen fan, really, that kind of 70s rock basis. So I was raised on a lot of these records and, you know, they went into so many different directions as well. I've been recently listened to an album that a lot of people consider anathema and one of their worst, Hot Space where they went all yeah. 80s and Hall and Oatsy, which I really fucking dig. It's a really good Have record. You seen the, um, there's, um, there's, so there's like a DVD, I think there is, of Milton Keynes show. It was around the time that they released Hot Fuss. Mm-hmm. Hot Fuss. What's it called? Oh, Hot, Hot, Hot Fuss is, uh, is yeah. Killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killers, yeah, there we go. But, um, and, he, you know, Mercury, was, he seemed a little bit, kind of, there's like, like little extra bits and people going on about how the criticism of the album and saying that they're trying to be too R&B and that kind of thing. Right. I find it really, really interesting. So you just think, like, you don't think of a queen as being this kind of, like, 
you know, specifically genre band, it is they are so diverse. And if they weren't, I don't think they'd be the band that they were, really. So no. I just find it surprising that people, there was such a bite back to it at the time. It's was, it was strange, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like all that kind of yacht rock, that kind of middle of the road, kind of California sun dapple kind it's of idea. It's got its space, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think that kind of stuff is great, you know, it's, it, especially when it's like weather like this, like sunny in yeah. the middle of the, you know. It's, you know, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Hot, Hot Space is a good summer album. And, you know, it has all four of them on the cover. And I'm pretty sure Queen are the only band in the history of music where all four members have written a number one single as well. That might just be in the UK rather than US. But they've all written giant songs. And, you know, just, just to get off Hot Space, there's a song off that. It's the penultimate song called Cool Cat that the bass player John Deacon plays all the tracks. Obviously, Freddie sings. David Bowie was supposed to cut backing vocals on it. He did Under Pressure, but I think they cut it from this track. But it's basically like the long-lost great Hall & Oates song. It's an unbelievable track. If people have got like three minutes to spare, go back and check that out. But today's song, Stone Cold Crazy, this is from 1974. This was by Queen, of course, uh, on Sheer Heart Attack, their third record. Apparently it was played at pretty... It was never a single, but it was played at pretty much every show between 74 and 78. It actually goes back to Freddie's earlier band. They used to play it in a band called Wreckage in the late 60s. And I don't know about you, Borge, but to me... This feels real proto-thrash. Like, this feels like yeah. new wave of British heavy metal before there was even the crest of a wave. I completely agree, man. Yeah, I was, um, I was talking to talk to my fiancé about it, uh, you know, going, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on a, you know, an Alphabetelica podcast to talk about Stone Cold mm-hmm. Crazy. And she was like, oh, great, that's, that's nice. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, what, is that again? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was explaining what, you know, well, it's, the song's really proto-metal. It's really, I completely agree. I think there's like, a lot of the the beat to it, the kind of like the chords, the the progressions. It is very much a kind of like throwaway, almost thrash song, really. Before uh-huh. thrash was a thing, I'd say definitely. Yeah. And it's I think it's probably more thrashy than anything around the mid seventies. I think it's more punky as well. When you listen to like something like you know, Sex Sex Pistols and this, like what is the difference? What was the difference between yeah. it really? It's just you know. And that was always in Queen's DNA. Like, as I say, I'm familiar with his early albums, especially Queen 2. They always had this kind of aggressive, proggy flair. Um, there's tracks people might know, like Ogre Battle and um, Prophet Song. And I know I'm kind of pulling out weird Queen songs out my arse here, but if people go back and listen to those, you can see a lot like of... the deep cuts. Yeah, this is... This, you know, we're going, <laughs> in the, we're going in the deep end of Queen here. But, uh, but yeah, with Stone Cold Crazy, it's just got that kind of, you know, real quick, real noty riff which very Brian May there's lots going on here there's not, not a, lot, a lot of hanging around and it makes perfect sense really for a Queen song to for, for, for James and Co to cover doesn't it more than yeah. say yeah. Fat Bottom Girls or You're My Best Friend or those classics or Killer Queen yeah I was, th- I was thinking what, what else what else would they have covered and it's hard to like I don't know maybe as they got older or something you think what what you know some of the more kind of freddie mercury show tunes or something like that yeah. but realistically yeah this this is this fits it it's basically a motorhead song essentially when you listen yeah. back to it but played by queen so yeah. i think i don't know i've had a bit of a weird relationship with it because sometimes i think yeah it's a great song other times i think it's when i don't listen to it i think i don't know does it sound like it's falling over itself a little bit is the riff a little bit too kind of like is there too much going in into it I but 
when you listen to it, it's I, yeah, it, it holds together. It is a great song. It, it it does, it does, and you know, Queen were always kind of outside of the lines of like a traditional rock and rock and roll band. Like you know, they weren't didn't have the tightness of the riff. They always stuffed things in with so many different movements and ideas. You know, kind of like what Metallica did there. And yeah. in terms yeah. of this as a Metallica piece, um, this obviously was eventually on Garage Inc. on the second disc, but originally was covered in 1990 uh, as part of a compilation album uh, for Electra's 40th anniversary. Um, it was then used as a B-side for Enter Sandman, which is really cool. And I don't know if you're aware, it actually won a Grammy. See, I, I, I think I read that somewhere. I, I wasn't aware of that. Metallica seemed to win Grammys randomly for some of the more yeah. random, obscure <laughs> songs. I had. Didn't they win one for, was it Bad Seed or something like uh, that as well? I think it was Carpe Diem Baby they won one for, so, yeah. yeah. Well, no, Better Than You. Sorry, it was Better Than You. Sorry, all, all the shitty go. reload just kind of yeah. leads into one for me, yeah. Yeah, I just don't I don't really understand why they seem to be winning the ones that you think, not their best song, but whatever. But yeah. this, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see why. And looking at, like, some of the performances of it, it's a real kind of, like, genuinely, that it's great performing live as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, let's get into the Metallica version then, which is, you know, incredibly similar to the Queen version. It's I think it's, like, two seconds shorter, and they change yeah. the lyrics slightly and, you know, throw the, throw the word fuck in here and there as they want to do. Kind of like how they took the word cunt out of so what, you know, they're they going to make this a little bit more metallic We open with that. I think it was like James in his heyday, wasn't it? He was, like, he was an angry young man. Oh, yeah. He's all right now. He's calm down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, we open with that oscillating feedback and then Lars counting down on the hi-hat as the main riff comes in. And, you know, reminds me a little bit of like spit out the bone and stuff, just in the sense that it's just jam-packed full of energy. You know, it's not like a sad but true. It's not leaning back into the groove. It's really throwing a lot of fretboard theatrics at you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, that opening kind of like siren as well that mm-hmm. they do with the uh, with the feedback, I think that's great. And I think it sounds much better when Metallica do it. It's probably just the technology has improved or whatever. But yeah, it's, I'm, I'm assuming it's Kirk with the old uh, whammy bar. But it sounds it's a great way to start. And the way it just it does kind of explode straight out of the gates. There's no kind of like hanging around. It yeah. doesn't really let up even on the quieter notes. No, fantastic. I mean, the song is like two minutes 20 i think it is something like that it's like 140 seconds long you know it's ridiculously short i think it's actually the let me just have a look now yeah it's actually the shortest song on the entirety of garage inc even shorter than free speech for the dumb or die die my darling by a few seconds it's two minutes 19 and the queen version is even shorter and then when we get into the verses the verses always feel you know they're so fun they feel a little bit to me like rock around the clock you know what i mean like there's bum and then james is singing all this thing and there's bum bum underneath like it's got a real kind of throwback energy to it i've not thought that before actually yeah yeah yeah, i can see i can definitely see what you mean it's quite that kind of like it is that kind of like classic like random story of a night out or something like that or some kind of Uh like it it is very of in and of itself it seems really self-contained there's no kind of like there's no pretension to it at all it's very just kind of like really lean really quick i mean when you're talking about the speed of it as well if you listen to like the um the binge and purge version of it as well i mean that's insane yeah at the end of like a three-hour concert or something like that to be playing something that fast and it's just like i don't know how they did it but it sounds incredible live as well like that lyrics you know james is singing freddie's lyrics and freddie was a brilliant lyricist there's so much great imagery here smelling like a dry fish bone and the idea of on you know a kill, rainy afternoon on a killer typhoon playing a slide trombone like there's some real cool surrealist ideas here 
<laughs> yeah, it must have been of the time. I think yeah. I can I can take a little, I can give or take the lyrics. To be fair, I think it's a, for me the lyrics a little bit throwaway. There isn't mm-hmm. I don't know. I quite like lyrics. I know I'm quite geek, yeah, a little bit geeky with it. I tend to like read into them and see oh what's the hidden meaning. Even when it's like fast or you know is there something else to it? But with this, you kind of have to take a step back and say just you know what it is. It's like it's basically like a comic book kind of thing and just kind yeah. of accept it for what it is. And once you do it, is it kind of fits it. It fits the music. It's I think anything too deep would definitely not fit that riff at all. It'll be a yeah, it'll be a complete mishmash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy does feel crazed on the track. Maybe a little stoned as well. Certainly not cold, but you know, kind nah. of kind of in in that mode, moving through compositionally there really isn't much to this song there are these verses there are these riffs there's kind of a little slow part that connects everything and of course the you know there's a lot of guitar soloing on this track and I, yeah two you know, solos in a two minute song yeah. a lot of soloing when you you know when you actually listen to it it's they're fitting a hell of a lot really mm-hmm. and just for me personally you know i think kirk's great i think brian may is a legit genius though i, I don't think kirk really holds a candle to may ultimately See, I, yeah, I, I, I would disagree. Not, I think, I think Brian May is a genius. The guy's got a PhD in what is it, astronomy or yeah, something he like does. that. Yeah, being, yeah. The, and he, and, he, and he's, know, ma- he's as, married to someone from EastEnders as well. <laughs> he's completed life. There he yeah, goes. Yeah, exactly. That's May. all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think you know he's a genius. He's a compositional like legend. But I think Kirk, for what he is, is a uh, is a real kind of like. For this, definitely, is I, I think his solos explode off this, and the way they've made it sound, some of the effects in the second solo, especially that he's doing, I don't know what he's doing. It's like a kill switch or something that he did at one point. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's, oh, I think it's great, and I saw the performance where it, where it was like Tony Iommi and Brian May oh, doing the yeah, solo. Yeah. But, and to be fair, that does kind of like that tip tops everything. You can't really beat that. Two two legends playing the same solo slightly differently, making it sound like delay you know, hands down, incredible. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, as I said to Roy from Sabra Bloody Podcast when he came on for Sabra Kadabra, Tony Iommi does not age. I watched that video about <laughs> 10 minutes ago. It's 1992. I've seen videos of him on tour whenever they've last played, you know, recent interviews and stuff. And just, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the fountain of youth is, but he found it in riff form. And that, that, yes. con- that concert you mentioned as well of James fronting, James being a pure front man with Queen yeah. behind him singing this track. That that's something very special, right? Yeah, it really is, and it's so it's quite weird to see as well. Like even though, little things, like even the way he was holding his mic, yeah. and it's like you know above his head, pointing down as if he's like. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's just it's a kind of like it does mess with your head a little bit. You, you I think he's uh, definitely part of his like shtick and performances. You know, having that guitar yeah. and having that thing. But that kind of like I mean, seeing that band live, you've got Tony Iommi, Brian May. And yeah, obviously the rest of Queen and then James Setfield as the uh, as the singer. Well, wow, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. But... I mean, you know, it, it it's not exactly a live staple for them, but it's a song they've played regular throughout their career. They played it 154 times live. It was debuted November 2nd, 91 in Detroit, and it was last played last year, uh, May 5th. 2018 Stockholm Sweden I mean this is just gonna be one of those tracks isn't it they're always I mean it, it ends the Mexico City show for God's sake so it's famous for a lot of reasons but I think this is one that they'll always pop into the cover slot when they're in the mood for it uh, definitely and when you when, with the uh, garage ink as well the second uh, disc I think it is on on mm-hmm. that one it, it it does pop out it stands out I think a lot of those covers they're good or people different people you know different people think different things but this one the production the song 
it just kind of like pops out and it sounds fun but you want to listen to it it doesn't sound like just a throwaway kind of thing so yeah it's gonna i reckon it'll be there for years whether they speed it up or slow it down it definitely seems to be something they enjoy playing anyway yeah i'm just looking at the garage inc second disc now and uh bloody hell that so just yeah it goes from am i evil as a six track to blitzkrieg to bread fan to the prince to stone cold crazy to so what i mean that is a that is a serious (laughs) septet of songs there that 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 is quite incredible and um i think yeah, I think I'm a little bit weird in preferring the first side, though, to be fair. I know what you the mean. First disc. I know what you Sorry? mean. Sorry? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, can, I can understand that. Like, yeah, I think the first disc is maybe a bit superior in terms of actual, like, song craft and the way they sure, put them together. Yeah. But maybe it's just, I'm, I think I'm just a victim of uh, of doing this show and listening to every song so many times that I kind of, like, <laughs> love them all. Unless they reload, they're never going to grow on me. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom, Reload's a great album. <laughs> okay, okay. If you say so, boys, if you say so. Um, any uh, any, uh, any, final thoughts on this track? I, th- I think it's it's a real kind of like demonstration of what Metallica are really good at, is that, and what Metallica are. And I think a lot of it comes down to them being, you know, largely about James and like Lars being mates, well, or not mates, or kind of getting to know each other in their teens and listen to all these bands and growing up with them and they still seem to be fans of music you still see james kind of like on instagram listening to slayer driving and that kind of thing yeah. so i think that's it, this is definitely a good like kind of like demonstration of almost being like they're you know they're you know, the greatest in my opinion one of the greatest bands ever but they're still in love with music they're still interested in doing things that they want to kind of like almost hark back and worship those kind of like bands that they grew up with and it's, yeah i think it's a great example of that and it's, you can't really you know what other compliment would Queen want apart from, you know, the biggest band in the world at that time saying, oh, you know, we're fans of yours. Come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there are there are millions of unique accolades that you can shower on Metallica. But one of them that people don't really speak about, which, again, I've sort of realized doing this show. I don't think there's any other band in history that have introduced more listeners to more bands, if you know what I mean, via covering yeah, them. Yeah, I agree. Like, like they, yeah, I they have really agree. opened my eyes and ears to so many great older 70s, 80s bands that I probably, you know, I probably legit never would have listened to so many of these guys, Budgie, etc. Yeah, I, I think definitely. And even if even if it's like odd songs here or there, it, it, it does kind of like bring it to, turn the page. I, I you know, I'm not a Bob Seger fan sure. or anything like that. I don't really listen to it. But that, that you know, when you hear that for the first time, it's completely different to anything they've done before. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. And but even the stuff they've done recently with that kind of all within my hands foundation um, yeah. with some of the songs in there and they're really some a couple of really obscure obscure ones that they've done and you go back and start listening to it, it's like oh you know these guys have got these guys have still got really good taste in music yeah so, you know. yeah yeah and it, it's that stamp of approval isn't it as well like if, it, if this is good <laughs> enough for hetfield then i'm going to give it a fucking few listens yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's it yeah if it's good enough for Lars and, and James and you know Kirk then it'll be fine uh, yeah. yeah Kirk maybe not but if it's good enough for Lars <laughs> and James then uh, if it's good enough for Jason I'll, uh, I'll I'll give it a listen so as we always do guys at Metallica Pod great to hear your thoughts on these tracks uh, Tritton saying great cover the live version from 92 on the live ship Binge and Purge is amazing Mark saying the, their best cover narrowly beating out Bread Fan because it doesn't wander around for two minutes in the middle Michael saying, I didn't hear the original until years later, but I can't help but think of this cover every time I do, as I absolutely nail it here. I'm thankful Lars didn't try and replicate the rim shots on the snare, and instead just full-blown double bass went for it. Classic Metalla cover. Ralph saying, if there was ever a Queen song for the boys to cover, this was definitely the original. This is this was definitely it. The original has a proto-frash feel. They take this tune and really make it their own. Plus, they add a heaviness that the original does not have. All members of the band sound great here, especially Hetfield on vocals. And, and boys, I will say, I 
I do prefer the Metallica version altogether. Uh, I do think May's solos are better. And I like the choruses more on the Queen version. They're a bit more humorous, aren't they? Like, Star Go Crazy. Like, they all the bands yeah, sort the of classic, sing at kind once. Of like, yeah. yeah, the classic harmonies, isn't it? I, I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest. I think I prefer the Metallica one, yeah. in all honesty. Just because just James's voice, you can't... I don't think oh, he's, yeah. I think he's got a better voice than Mercury. To be honest with you, wow, like, that's that, that's cr- I I don't know if I don't agree with you, but I've never really thought of that. But that, that that's a good thing to ponder. Yeah, there we go. I generally think like from early nineties up until like probably the two thousands, that that vocal range that like Hetfield's got on the Load Reload albums on the, on the Black album. I, you know, I don't think he can beat it. It's incredible. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, Hetfield, the way he says, like, Tommy Gunn and the hurl, <laughs> the way he says hell is, like, hurl. Like, you know, certain directions are really <laughs> satisfying. Directions. I think, yeah, I don't oh. think it's anyone who's, like, not been 17 and tried to sound like, like oh, him. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, just on the Twitter finally as well, Andy, uh, he just sent, just sent a gif of a goat with a number one medal <laughs> around its neck. Uh, Andrea saying, great cover. It's a perfect choice uh, because the original is very heavy for its time. When James sang this with Queen, a tribute show, I thought that was awesome. And finally, Angel just saying, a solid Queen cover. Hetfield's vocals are god tier, and I dig the heavier take on this song. As always, guys, follow us at Metallica Pod. Always great to get your feedback on these tracks. Now, we'll close with a few quick-fire questions. What is your favourite Metallica song altogether? I'd have to say... Uh, probably for Who the Bell Tolls, oh, just right. because I think it was like something that I, or maybe The Unforgiven too. I don't know. Right. There we go. Too content. That might be a little bit more contentious. But yeah, the S and M version of For Who the Bell Tolls. That's just that is insane. Oh. You, that, every time I hear that, you just the like, crowd, the like, crowd in the chorus, the callback. Yeah, Always. and that those the, the effects that they've got on when he's on the, the take a look to the sky just before you die yes. and the effects. Yeah. It's it just. Oh, it can't. I, 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 every time I think of it, I just get chills mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. uh, what, what about album? Favorite album by the band? Black album. Yeah, Black album. By far. I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I think the first, I think Killer Mall is a bit redundant in all honesty. It okay. is what it is. But I love the first, like, the first few albums are great. I, I think Reload and Load are really good. There's not been an album I've not really that been in, that been that into but i think black album for everything that it's got i think it's like i generally think it's the best metal album of all time perfect length 12 songs every single song is in is an absolute banger the production the song craft the lyrics it's just i just think it fits perfectly yeah mm-hmm. favorite member of the band i used to think that it was he did used to be james but i think he's been edged out slightly by lars in the last few years just because he seems to have like a genuine lust for life if you ever watched like yeah. have you ever seen him on like instagram or anything mm-hmm. like that he seems to be even even now just still enamored yeah. by all life in general it's yeah it's really he does he does i loved i loved i don't know if you saw on instagram recently when he was at glastonbury like, yeah, yeah. i've never had as much fun as he had at glastonbury on the time of his life yeah. like, the guy's like in his 50s it's like oh I, here's the sunset at five in the morning i was like oh god yeah <laughs> oh just yeah i wouldn't be able to survive him but yeah, no. yeah I, I think you know, what, no. what a legend yeah 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 oh yeah yeah absolute absolute ironclad legend um have you seen the band live at all yeah, I saw them. The first time I saw them was a couple of years ago in, in Birmingham, actually, in Brom at the, uh, I think it was the NEC. Oh, was that, was, was and, that the uh, world, Worldwide Tour, was it? That was, yeah. In oh, October I, I, I was there. I was there. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I think it was a, I thought it was a great gig. Oh, it was the one, it was when the, uh, sorry, come on. No, I was just saying, yeah, I agree. They were brilliant. 
they were, and with, you know, the, when I think uh, the power went out during one as well. Yes. And the one thing, I think that's when I started kind of like really swerving more towards thinking Lars is, I think he gets a lot of stick because I think he's a great drummer. Because when I went to see Metallica, I wasn't like playing air guitar or anything like that. I don't know why, for the first, not for the first time in my life, that's the life, but I was definitely up there playing air drums. And you don't expect to be, but I don't know, seeing them live, so yeah, I loved it. Really want to see them again before they, uh, before they slow down, to be honest. And final question then, if you were to do a podcast like this about a band that you love, apart from Papa Roach, who would you cover? <laughs> <laughs> Although you could do Papa Roach. Like... That would, you know, why not? I, I was reading them for a long, long time. I don't know. I think, I think a band like, I'd say someone like, I think you've had this before, Deftones is definitely one. Yes. System of a Down would be another one. Oh. But more recently, maybe like Arctic Monkeys as well, just mm. for how they've changed as well. Like in the last 10 years, I've you know, from the first album to now, their their like progression has been really interesting to listen to. And yeah, been... I I I remember. You know, I was in year nine when whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. I remember that coming out and getting it after school like my dad had bought it for me and that album just blowing me away and you're so right favorite worst nightmare is quite similar but kind of progressive and then humbug and something yeah, see I mean, they, they go into the deep waters those albums it completely like takes they take a left turn and, and then since i i really enjoy just watching how many people they kind of like piss off with each with yeah. each album to be fair i think and that's a mark of a pretty good band usually because they're actually taking a few more risks than just trying to get the sales so yeah i think that would be a really interesting one to do yeah i think with the uh was was am the fifth one or is no see, hum- that's humbug that, yeah that's... no sorry so humbug was third second see because am got the whole coachella crowd and then they did the what's that other one called the hotel one that really kind of upset yeah of oh god tranquility based hotel that's and right. casino or something. yeah that's right i've not really I, heard that i much. think am's a little bit like a little bit overblown i think but i think yeah i you, I, 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 yeah, I can't say anything bad about them. I, I, I love that band. I grew up listening to them. Yeah, so I'd really, you know, if there was a podcast or that was about that, I'd be happy. There does to need to be. There does need to be, or even a podcast. I don't know if the term for this has came outside the UK, but you know when people say like it's kind of derogatory, but you know when people say like landfill indie, so kind of like yeah, Arctic yeah. Monkeys, Razorlight, really... Franz Ferdinand. That'd be a good podcast as well. That era, definitely. And I think that's good. they get a lot of like stick those bands, but I mean I remember when I was like you know I was just started uni around that time, yeah. so we had bands like that and Killers and and all all oh, the yeah. other lot. Block, block party and block yeah. party yeah and you just have to like stop there and just say well hold on like, listen to the first couple of albums from each of those bands and they were really 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 good and i love silent alarm by block party i think it's a fantastic yeah. record yeah that is an inc- incredible album i don't think that gets half the plaudits it should but yeah. like i think it was probably i read somewhere that it was the last time probably that indie kind of thing with the strokes going into everything else up until like 2008 2009 was the last time there was an actual scene of any kind because yeah. there's no real kind of like I don't know, maybe scenes or rock scenes or groups or anything like that. I don't know. Again, I might be too wild. I don't really know. No, you're right. Lines. You're right. And it was it was around the same time as, I guess, another scene that doesn't exist anymore, the kind of emo scene. You know, your yeah, My, My Chemical yeah. Romance, Fallout Boy, they were all huge bands as well. But, what, where is it? Where are all these bands, though? Like, I don't know, maybe... What, what's Kerrang doing? They need to yeah, get a new is, kind of what thing. is Kerrang doing? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm... Um, you know, I'm going to the Steelhouse Festival um, in two weeks, which is in Wales, which is proper like a 70s rock. I mean, I'm only going because Finn Lizzy are headlining and me and my friends uh-huh. just adore Finn Lizzy top to bottom and they're doing the Black Rose album. But but you're right. Yeah, that kind of music, there isn't, it's just kind of almost giant bands that have been around forever or kind of newer acts. There's no there's no mm. mid-tier anymore, doesn't seem to be. No, there's not. And I think, there were, I don't know where I was listening to it, but there was, there was this era of kind of like top shop rock bands. Yeah. They were quite heavy, but... 
they will, I don't know, there was a little bit more kind of like style over substance or whatever in the last few years. But it'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see wh- wh- what is the next next big thing, whether, whether there be, will be a next big thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, do you, do you know Don Broco? They're getting quite big. Yeah, I, I think they're I think they're good. I yeah, think they're, they're really right. good. I think they've, they've really kind of hit like a real niche, I'd mm-hmm. say. They're quite like, it's quite poppy, but and it's 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 really subtle. They, they're quite heavy. But you don't realise that they're heavy if you don't listen to rock music, I suppose. So yeah, I think they've hit a real kind of like pretty cool niche to be fair, and they're, they're hilarious as well. The lyrics are yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, they're they're a cool band. If people are you know in that vogue, and want to check one out. But uh, boys, this has been great. I mean, is there anything finally you'd like to promote yourself? Um, to be honest, no. I'm just a big fan of the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think yeah, keep doing what you're doing, Tom. It's a very good thing. It's it's it's, it's important to kind of like spread the word about things that you love. Exactly, exactly, man. And no, I appreciate your time. This has been a really, really fun one. And guys, again, if uh, you enjoy the show, you want to give back, Patreon is there, iTunes is there. We'll be back very shortly. Um, as I say, we're pretty much almost at the end of the run. I'm just trying to see now what we've got coming up in the future. Uh, next week, we have Stone Dead Forever. Then we're getting to Struggle Within from your favourite record. Uh, Suicide and Redemption, Sweet Amber, that was just your life, the thing that should not be. Form Within, with none other than Mr. Clint Wells from Metal Like Your Podcast. He will be returning to the show to discuss uh, one of those tracks. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But, um, Borsch, thanks again for your time. No problem. Thanks again, Tom. Really enjoyed it. (laughs) 